Hello, my friends. Today we're talking to Matt, the head of engineering at Vanta, and we discuss the benefits of having continuous security monitoring, why it's important to think about security before you have to get compliance, and why trying to make a product perfect is often worse than releasing and iterating. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. Yeah, so I grew up in San Francisco and in the late 90s was sort of surrounded by tech. Um, I think there's a, you know, I didn't really gravitate towards writing code uh, until maybe late high school and college, but I was always a tinkerer. I was the one who had to fix the VCR for my parents. Uh, I still hold that responsibility. Nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was always the nice thing about software is that unlike many crafts, it is non-destructive and you can't really break it, um, which gives you a lot of opportunities to be creative and try new things and explore. And I've just always, always liked that element of software and just generally optimizing for exploration and learning. And um, that's sort of what drew me to it in the first place. And, you know, I've been very fortunate that that is a, that's a booming industry and a going concern for our world. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot. Yeah. So you were in San Francisco in the nineties. Were you still there uh, early two thousands when the, when the bubble popped? I was in the early two thousands. And when I went to college and wanted to study computer science, my class at college was the bottom, the lowest enrollment point, kind of at the end of the dot com, but before the resurgence and the end of the the, two, the early two thousands. Yeah, that's that's pretty crazy, man. That's like um, it just kind of make reminds me of my personal college experience where I went through the first couple of years and uh, I went to was in school for marketing, and so I was in a lot of business classes. And all the professors kept saying, "Like you guys are so lucky. This is the best job market we've seen in years." And my last semester of college was when the pandemic hit, and everyone graduated into that, um, which is just—it's just really crazy how, how the the floor can kind of drop out like that, um, whether it's the bubble burst or something insane like a worldwide pandemic. But so, what was your what was your first job uh, going into that economy after school? Intact. Yeah. Well, the economy that I was going into was the 2008 recession, mm. um, which was fun. Um, <laughs> but no, it was fine. And it just, when you say the bottom fell out of the market, it was sort of a lot of job applications that I'd put in all of a sudden were, uh, those jobs were no longer available yeah. um, because companies were tightening their belts. Um, but I was very fortunate. I ended up joining a company called Mebo. And I, because I grew up in San Francisco and because I went to college in the Bay Area, I, sort of decided that if I wasn't going to leave then, I never would, and spent the next 10 years in New York. Um, and Mebo was the first company that I worked at that was, you know, sort of opening a, uh, being the first engineer in a distributed presence. Um, so I was the first engineer in New York for Mebo and learned a lot with that experience, kind of took that to another couple startups from there. That's cool. So I, I think we actually have a, probably have a common connection because I saw your last job before your current company was uh, 
like a, a Dropbox, you were like an engineering leader there. We actually had a, a little while ago had, I think his name's Barat. He goes by Bart, the CTO. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was a really cool guy. Um, on He was my last boss before I left Dropbox. Oh, crazy. That's cool, man. So, um, well, speaking of leaving Dropbox, how did, uh, how did you come to start Vanta? Yeah. So I, I didn't actually co-found Vanta. I joined oh, got it, about got a year and a half ago. When I was in New York, I overlapped with our CEO, Christina Cassiopo. We did a startup together and worked on a bunch of different things. Nothing really worked out, obviously, but we learned a lot through the process and importantly learned that we liked working together. Um, And when we split ways, I ended up going to Dropbox to found and eventually and be the site lead for the New York City office for five years. Oh, cool. Which is an amazing experience. I think I kind of had two jobs there. One was engineering leader and that in a growing space that kind of meant whatever needed happening or whatever needed doing. So I was like a technical lead. I was an engineering manager. I worked on product engineering, I worked on infrastructure engineering. As that office grew, I just kind of filled whatever holes were needed on the engineering side. And as a site lead, that was very much a kind of zero to one startup experience for me. And so I had the opportunity to kind of lay the groundwork for what culture looked like and how um, how the teams operated together. And it wasn't just specifically engineering. We had sales in there too. We had some other functions represented. And that was my first opportunity really laying the groundwork for a culture and for a team in a way. I participated in that before at fast-growing companies, but I'd never been responsible for it. And when I moved back to San Francisco in 2019, I didn't have that part of my job at Dropbox anymore. I was just an engineering leader, which was an interesting job, to be clear. Um, But I really missed that sort of zero to one component. And uh, when, so I I searched specifically for opportunities where I could be a major contributor in kind of laying the groundwork for a culture and for a team. And Christina at the time was looking for a head of engineering. And, you know, I think that Vanta's mission really spoke to me uh, in terms of the good that we're doing for the world and the positive impact we're having on our customers and the value that we're providing for them. And it sort of also matched what I was looking for at the time too, which was a chance to kind of take all the learnings that I had in building a culture and building a team and apply them to a smaller setting again. That's really cool. I, I mean, Dropbox is such a huge company. I wouldn't have thought of that as a place to get startup experience. But, well, in the New York City office, we were zero when we started. Yeah. And I think I joined Dropbox at about 500 people, which, you know, in some ways, in some ways, it's, it's a relatively large company. But given how quickly Dropbox was growing, especially at that time, there were a lot of things that the company needed to figure out. And I actually got an opportunity to experience a lot of the things that I've, a lot of the sort of groundwork around uh, compliance and security and things like that. I, I had the opportunity to observe some of that at Dropbox, which has been a really interesting experience for me as well. That's really cool. So can you tell me what Vanta does? Yeah. So Vanta's mission is to secure the internet and to protect consumer data. And what that looks like in practice is that we empower companies to practice better security such that they do it and they keep their customers' data safe. Um the origin story for the company kind of came out of the 2016, uh, you know, election tampering and all the data breaches and the continued data breaches that we've seen since. The fundamental realization there 
is that the incentives are such that companies don't necessarily practice as good security as they could or they should. And as a result of that, they end up being irresponsible with customer data. And you see misconfigured IT servers, you see um, PII in publicly accessible uh, S3 buckets, you see people, ex-employees still having access to company resources, all these different vectors of potential data breach. And a part of the root cause is that is that security is a scary thing. Like I'm the head of engineering at a small, very fast growing company. And there are many, many, many different ways. And the surface area is very large uh, for us to, the, the risk surface area is very large. And any one of those things could result in a security breach. And the kind of, this is changing, but the culture in, of security previously has very much been a security is scary. I, therefore, I can't, I can't know everything and therefore I shouldn't even try. I should hire a consultant or I should hire a head of security to handle that for me. So I don't have to worry about it. I think the reality is that like security is much more accessible than it's meant out to be. And this is changing, right? Like I think there's better tooling, there's better dissemination of best practices such that people like me who are leading engineering, again, at small companies can better engage with security and understand what my risk looks like and keep my, again, keep my customers data secure and keep my company's data secure. So, so what kind of products do you actually offer? Are you like the consultancy that someone might go to, to be like, Hey, can you handle this for me? Or are you creating the tooling to make it a more frictionless experience for people to run their own? Or are you doing both? It's more the latter. I mean, I think there's kind of two, there's two value adds Advanta provides. So we offer a continuous security monitoring solution that plugs in to our company's, our customer's tooling. So we plug into your identity provider, we plug into your code review tool, we plug into your infrastructure provider, and we scan a configuration of those tools and notify you of potential threats in real time. And so many companies think that they're practicing good security and you know everybody has two-factor authentication turned on, everybody's laptop is encrypted, uh, servers are patched and up-to-date. But until you have someone monitoring that continuously, you don't know for sure. And so many so, so many of our companies plug in Vanta and they realize, oh my goodness, like this person that left the company three years ago still has access to our GitHub repository. And so we offer a tool that helps our companies scan their surface area for potential threats and identify them in real time. And in addition to that, we've sort of outlined this list of 150 to 200 best practices in security, things that maybe a company wouldn't think to do but are generally good for security. Like make sure that your uh, S3 buckets aren't public. Make sure that you have two-factor authentication turned on. These are sorts of things that like, you know, I say that to you and you say, of course, that's that's better security. But that's for many companies, especially companies that are growing quickly and trying to find product market fit, that's not necessarily top of mind for them. And so we help them understand what those best security practices are. And then we automate uh, monitoring those in real time to detect potential threats. Got it. I, so you just kind of connected for me the meaning behind continuous security monitoring because I, I, I had like seen that phrase on on your website and I was I wasn't sh- entirely sure what that meant in practice, but it makes a lot of sense that while you can initially take all the right steps of like you said two factor encrypting the laptops doing that, if you're not checking up on that 
constantly and making sure it's staying that way, it you can you can run into some some issues. Well, that's that's part of the problem with the industry today as well. In that, so a lot of companies, their first experience with practicing security is in service of compliance. So the language of proving security today largely is in this alphabet soup of compliance standards like SOC 2 or HIPAA or ISO 27001. And typically the experience for someone like me who's leading engineering at a small company is that the CEO comes to them and says, hey, we really need to sell to this big company, but they're not even going to look at us until we have a SOC 2. So get a SOC 2. And the practice there, you know, these standards define some ways that are generally good practice, like hiring trustworthy people, um, making sure the data is safe and transit and at rest and things like that. And codifying them and actually practicing them is often a company's first experience with security. And, you know, that's better than nothing. However, these standards are inherently lossy in terms of how they're validated and how they're how they're proven. They're validated by humans. Humans can't look at everything all the time. Humans look at a sample of your population to understand like whether you have two-factor authentication turned on or whether you've offboarded people appropriately. You have an audit period, typically, for SOC 2, and then you get a certificate, and that certificate is good for a year. And unfortunately, because of the way those incentives work, what a lot of companies do is that they will go do all the work that's necessary, send over all the screenshots, so put them in the spreadsheet for the auditors. They'll get their certificate. And then they're going to go turn their attention to something else. And the reality is that, like, you know, maybe, maybe I had everybody had two-factor authentication turned on at the time of the audit, but the next day someone could have it turned off and they could get fish, and then someone could have access to my company's email. And so what Vanta offers is both help with that compliance journey. We kind of help our customers understand what the security best practices are. We hook them up with an auditor who knows how to use Vanta, which is inherently a better data set than what they'd be using previously. Um, it's better a better way to gather evidence from the context of an audit. But now we've also offered them continuous security monitoring to keep them secure even when there's not an auditor looking. That's cool. So you're saying that a lot of companies first kind of foray into taking security seriously is when they have to get compliance. Is that when you are having your first touch point with a lot of these companies? That's true today, just because of how, you know, the incentives and security work. However, what we're seeing is that companies are starting to invest in their security early because the reality is that a lot of these best practices, whether or not you want to get a compliance standard or not, a lot of these best practices enable you to better manage your company in the in the in the future. So things like centralizing your uh, using SSO to centralize access to different services makes it easier to onboard and offboard people. Makes it easier to understand who has access to what and why. Having any kind of process around onboarding, offboarding, around reviewing access to different services, around a vendor vendor management around like asset management. These are all important things to practice. Even if you don't do them well, it's important to practice early. And Vanta is one of is a tool that you can use to help you both understand what sorts of best practices you might think about practicing and then also uh, enable you to do that at an early stage for a company. So does Vanta use Vanta? Of course. <laughs> I can't I cannot imagine managing our security program without Vanta. 
again, there's just like so many things. An analogy that I like to use is that securing a company is like securing a house, except instead of having one front door that you have to make sure is closed and locked and maybe a couple of windows on the ground floor, there's like 150 of those windows and doors. And any one of those, if left open, uh, is a potential threat. And Vanta is a tool that kind of gives me the peace of mind that there aren't open doors and open windows in my house. That makes sense. So uh, what are some of the best like first steps that a startup can take towards security? Yeah. So there's a couple things. One thing I mentioned earlier is to just start doing Start practicing this, even if you don't do it well, right? So like, keep track of your vendors. You don't need a, you know, you may want a fancy tool for that. And you, you may want to like build some more process around it, but just dump them in a spreadsheet to start and look at that spreadsheet every now and again. You don't need to have fancy onboarding and offboarding tools, but you can start with a spreadsheet. As I mentioned earlier, investing in single sign-on, investing in mobile device management, like these are sorts of things that like, you won't do them well to start, but if you start doing it, you'll get better at it over time. And as your company grows and as the complexity grows, you'll at least have something to start with. There's a lot of companies that don't think about this at all. And then all of a sudden need to think about it. And they, they start being bad at it, like sort of late, if that makes sense. Another thing I would say is that codifying as much as you can, like literally in code, enables you to have a better understanding of the potential threat surface area of your company. So there's a lot of tools for this these days uh, for infrastructure as code, but something like Terraform allows you to encode your Amazon configuration. And so you can, you don't have to go to the portal and click around to see what's happening. You can look in code and see exactly what the status is. Investing in things like centralized logging and centralizing monitoring early enables you to understand what is happening in your system. And then there's eventual, like there's development best practices too that not only accelerate your team's development, but also are more secure. Things like investing in continuous integration, continuous deployment, investing in things like enforcing code review, uh, locking your deployment branch. Like these are these are generally good practices. They also happen to be best practices for security as well. That makes sense. Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't necessarily thought of continuous deployment as like a security best practice, but it totally makes sense to constantly be pushing out security patches when uh, when you can. It also makes it clear who's pushing the button to release code. And if you have everybody on their on their laptop who could run the push this to production script, you don't necessarily know what's out there. You don't necessarily know who's been pushing it. But if it's all coming through one pipeline in one place, you can be more confident that you have, you can be more confident about what's actually running in production. And you can have more of a paper trail as to how it got to be that way. Such that if there are issues or if there are incidents, you can have a better way to diagnose that. Um, and you can restrict who actually has the right to push things to production. That makes sense. So have you heard of a company called Axio? I have, but I'm not super familiar with okay, it. Okay, so I actually, I'm just asking because I actually recently interviewed their founder and uh, he was hmm. a really cool guy. He didn't really start his career in security, but just out of interest, he ended up kind of falling into writing a lot of our modern best practices. Like he spent some time at MITRE and stuff. Um, but mm -hmm. what they, what his company does is they like analyze a company and 
help you make decisions on where to allocate investments to hedge your cyber risk, whether that's like beefing up security in a specific area or getting cyber insurance. And so it's a little bit more on like the financial side of it. And I'm curious as like a provider of like continuous security monitoring, how do you talk about the financial side of cyber risk management with your customers and um, kind of talk like ROI with them and whatnot? Yeah. So fundamentally security is risk management. And if you really want to be secure, you shouldn't have run no code in production. You should never hire anybody. <laughs> you should never do anything as a business that might expose you to any sort of risk, right? Like that's the only way to be 100% secure. That's not realistic, right? Similarly, you should never leave your house. You should never cross the street. You should never get into a car if you really want to be 100% safe. And so fundamentally, security is about assessing your risk and understanding what risk there is uh, to what your employees are doing, what risk there is to the code you're running in production, what risk there is to other other forms of, of data breach or whatever, and then mitigating that risk enough to be comfortable with whatever risk is left, right? And I think there are one of the, Vanta is sort of a guide in many ways, like we have offer opportunities to guide people through a risk assessment. We outline some of these best practices that can mitigate risk. We're a tool that help companies mitigate that risk. There are other forms, as you mentioned, of risk that maybe we're not focused on as much today in terms of financial risk, but it's all kind of covered in the same thing. Right. You, you mentioned like financial risk is like maybe a separate thing, but I think it's it's all a part of your cyber risk management um, because like you, you can always calculate the the dollar cost of any given breach or if if you have the right person to do that and the right data in front of you, you know? Right. I mean, I think that's a better way to put it. I think there's like, when we talk about financial risk, that's really the outcome of yeah. what might happen with these different data breaches. And maybe that's ransomware. Maybe that is someone steals my company data and asks me to pay millions of dollars to get it back. Some of it is reputation risk. If my company gets breached, that damages customer trust and that may make it more difficult to close deals in the future, et cetera. That makes sense. So what is it about Vanta that makes it like unique from other security companies that are that are doing doing something similar? There are a bunch of different tools and companies out there that are helping companies practice better security. So one is on the sort of more uh, niche elements of helping companies with security. Like there are whole companies that are based on helping companies detect vulnerabilities in their software and code that they're running in production. There are whole companies that are based on helping companies identify when there are potential intrusions in their infrastructure. In terms of helping companies manage their security program, there's kind of two flavors of that. One is sort of a project management approach. And this is what consultants would do when you when they come in and kind of help you with your security program or your compliance program, they do a risk assessment, they kind of map out all the potential sources of risk, and then they help project manage your resolving that risk. You have to do all the work, but they kind of help guide you through that process of doing it. Interesting. There are tools like, and then there are tools like Vanta, which do that part of it, but are more focused on actually helping you mitigate the risk rather than just identifying and telling you what to do. So Vanta not only sort of outlines a set of best practices and kind of helps you do a risk assessment, we also provide the tools and the tests to help you understand in real time whether you're actually meeting the goals of your security program. 
And fundamentally, we believe that this automation and continuous security monitoring is so much stronger and so much more powerful than better project management and the point in time verification that we see with compliance today. That's really interesting. It sounds like that you're definitely taking the more proactive approach of avoiding a breach rather than, hey, we have a problem. We have to take these steps to solve the problem. It's better to just not have a problem. <laughs> That's always true. I mean, I think, you know, there's, again, security is all about risk management and it's, Im- it's impossible to eliminate all sources of risk, but you can take preventative measures and be proactive to mitigate that risk as, as best as you can or, or mitigate it to what is an acceptable risk for you and your company. And that's sort of a choice that every company has to make, right? Like you, again, you can be 100% secure by not running any software and not hiring anybody. But the people that you hire and how you run, how you manage that, how you manage the the software that you are running in production, that, that all presents a certain level of risk. And if you're comfortable with that risk, then, then there you go. So what are some big trends you're seeing in the security space today? I think the big thing, and I'm really happy to see this, is that more and more teams and companies are relying on automation. And we're seeing this like high-level trend in the security industry from what is previously a consulting model. So whether that's internally within a company or having a consultant come in and tell you, okay, this is what you should be doing. Like, here's your list of things you should do go off and do them and you will be more secure than you were when you before you paid me hundreds of hundreds of dollars an hour. And what that's moving to is more of using tools to actually validate these things and be proactive about it. And a lot of bigger companies are using have full teams that are deployed against building tools for things like access management or things like vulnerability detection and stuff like that um, or using third-party services and software. Fundamentally security by automation is so much stronger than security by consulting. And sort of as a as a consequence of that, security becomes much more accessible too. And the tools that you write, that's just code, right? And engineers can read code and we can understand like what we're monitoring, what we're not monitoring. And it just becomes so much more tangible and easier to understand. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I love that you mentioned security by automation going forward because that just allows for such larger scale of of scaling up your security systems. We actually just recently had on the CTO of Avast Antivirus. And so obviously this guy is deep in the security space, but he, in addition to that role, he's a professor of AI and he does a lot of AI research. I believe when he introduced himself, he said, I am a big AI scientist guy. I think that was his phrasing. (laughs) But um, anyway, he was one thing that he was talking about that I thought was really interesting is how he's been studying bad actors' use of what he calls adversarial AI, um, like like and how they're able to scale up their attacks with the help of automation on that side too. And the only way to scale up your security to be able to fight that is by also embracing automation on the security side. So I think I just I just thought it was really cool hearing you just bring that up as the answer to such a broad question as what trends you're seeing because that just sounds really promising and uh, makes me feel personally safer um, that that's something that a lot of people are thinking about. 
there's another thing here too, which I your comment about scaling up made me think about. Another big trend that we're seeing is that smaller companies are able to do so much more. So with something like smaller companies that are starting today don't need to hire a data center team. They can use AWS. Smaller companies today can delay hiring an HR team to kind of analyze benefits, et cetera, et cetera, because they can use a company, a tool like Gusto that kind of incorporates that all in one. More and more companies are using SaaS instead of headcount to get things done and move faster. And throughout this, security doesn't scale down. So the sorts of things that you would do to secure a 2,000-person company actually aren't that different from the things that you would do to secure a 200-person company or a 20-person company. And as a result of that, like smaller and smaller companies are doing more and more, but maybe aren't at the point where they would hire a big security team. If you look at a 2,000-person company, maybe they have a 50-person security team. A 20-person company doesn't have, likely doesn't have a security team. A 200-person company, maybe a couple people. Um, and so there's this gap in that there are smaller and smaller companies doing more and more valuable things, but don't necessarily have the security posture that they would need because security doesn't scale down. You can complain about it from a consumer perspective that everything's a subscription now, but I think it is a really cool trend in the startup space because it makes it so much easier for anyone to just spin up a business and lots more ideas can become businesses. And I think you take that one step further. Now the level of creativity and competition for making cool stuff just has to rise to compete with each other since there's so much more accessibility to you don't have to have a huge budget for an HR department when you can just use Gusto. You don't have to have a huge budget for security when you got cool tools like Vanta that can help you early on and various other SaaS tools that can just help you run all those non-core parts of your business. Um, and yeah, I mean, it seems like what you're doing at Vanta is just kind of further enabling that um, to make these security practices available where they previously weren't because of budgetary constraints and that they couldn't hire that person or that team to take care of it. I think it's also just, you know, again, speaking as a head of engineering for a small company, there's a lot of things that these people have to worry about. And security, no one's going to say security is not important, right? But among the, on the priority list, there's, there are always things that are, you know, security ends up, because it's not urgent, uh, and if it's urgent, it's too late, security often doesn't end up at the top of the, of the priority list. And what a tool like Vanta does is empowers people to engage with security and gives them the tools to make it easier to reduce the cost of actually thinking about it and investing it. And for many companies, that's the difference between thinking about security at all and not. <laughs> and I think at the end of the day, like Vanta's mission is to secure the internet and to protect consumer data. And the more companies that are investing in their security, the more companies that are feeling empowered to practice better security, and the more companies that have the tools to enable them to do that and be confident in their posture because the, a tool like Vanta is monitoring it hourly instead of annually, the more companies actually practice security and the more that consumer data is kept safe and the, the fewer data breaches that we have in the world. Yeah, dude, I, I 
I remember you said your mission statement early on in the interview. Um, I didn't get to comment on it, but that is just, that just sounds cool. <laughs> um, so before we, before we wrap up here, I actually, I want to talk a little bit about your, your leadership approach and uh, just leadership in general at, at your company. Is that cool? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So I, I saw that you have a lot of like really large companies in your work history. And today you're head of engineering at a smaller, very fast growing company. What's a lesson that you learned working at those larger companies that you that has served you really well in your role today? I think that one common thread throughout the companies that I've worked at, and this is true for smaller companies and larger companies, a common thread is how quickly everything changes. And whether that is company priority shifting, whether that is your team grew by 50% in the last three months, whether that is you end up working with new people or uh, focusing on new things, everything is constantly in flux. And I think that in those, especially in those environments, but just generally, perfection is the enemy of the good. And when it comes to, hey, let's figure out the, the right way to do this like new process or the right way to work together, or the right way to approach this product or exactly the perfect thing to ship to our customers. There's risk of writing a PhD thesis and doing a bunch of research about like what the best approach is and trying to tackle that best approach. And in my experience, you know, there are certainly things for which the investment and upfront research is worth it. But for many, many, many things and many, many decisions, it's better to try something and iterate. Because whether that is shipping a product and then putting it in front of customers and understanding how, how they're using it and using that to inform future product decisions, whether that is rolling out a new process on a team, or whether that is an approach to a product roadmap or goal planning, it's often better to put something out there and iterate on it than it is to come up with the perfect thing before you ship anything at all. Yeah, I think that uh, you kind of said that earlier uh, when you were talking about how a lot of the times it's really good to try to start your like security approach very early because you're going to be bad at it at first. And you'd rather be bad at it early and get good fast rather than start late and be bad late when it's critical. And sorry, I just, I just had to bring that up because I really liked that, that phrasing. I think it's very, very pointed, but yeah, um, exactly. So how would you describe uh, the culture at Vanta? I think there's a couple ways to think about culture. One is the sort of how people treat one another. And another is how people work. And often we talk about the former. And Vanta has a lot of the good things that you, that I've experienced at other tech companies. Things like over-communication, an emphasis on collaboration, an assumption of good intent. These are the sorts of things that enable a company that's growing as quickly as it can to have somewhat of a safety net. Culture is a safety net against high growth. Um, when things break all the time because you've doubled the team every six months, like the fundamental trust within a company is a, is an effective counterweight against uh, fast growth in which many things are breaking all the time just due to how quickly the company is changing. The other element of, of culture is sort of how people work. And I believe strongly in hiring absolutely the best people and empowering them to do their jobs. And 
what that looks like is identifying clear owners for things and identifying people who are responsible and accountable for getting things done and then giving them the resources to do it and getting out of the way. What I found is that people will always impress you. They'll always uh, do more. They'll ramp up faster than you would expect. They'll come up with ideas that are much greater and better than anything you would ever would have come up with yourselves. And the more that you can create an environment and a culture in which people are empowered and have the ownership and opportunity to go and deliver great things, the more you'll be impressed and the more, uh, the more good will come from that. So how do you foster those cultural tenets like assuming positive intent and that level of trust between coworkers? How do you do that in practice? Do you hold like offsite events that, that uh, people can participate in and get to know each other as people? Or I don't know, just because I feel like a lot of that is about building the relationships between coworkers, right? So I don't think that culture is set top down. There's certainly an element of demonstrating the behaviors that I would like my coworkers to practice as well. I think ultimately, as a leader, my role in culture is in curation rather than than dictating it. And what that means is like when I see things that are good, I reward them and I celebrate them. When I see things that I don't like, I tamp it down or stop it. Um, and things like, you know, from an engineering perspective, one thing that's really important to me is this notion of uh, blameless postmortems. Bad things are going to happen. And many, most of the time, that's due to the processes and tools that we were using rather than the individual bad actors. And the more that we can, the more that we talk about like the processes and tools that are broken rather than like disciplining someone for accidentally taking down. Uh, a part of our a part of our infrastructure or something like that. The more you sort of create the culture that like we're all trying to make make Vanta better rather than disciplining individuals for for doing bad things. That's huge of having the blameless postmortems because if a postmortem is a really bad experience for the engineer that made a mistake, they're not likely to bring up either a mistake or something they're not confident in and ask for help. And that that kind of thinking like just drags a company down. So mentioning mentioning blameless postmortems, absolutely. That that's that's a really cool, cool thing that you do and everyone should. I think that's another really important part of creating an engineering culture and company culture, which is creating an inclusive environment where anyone's idea, anyone feels empowered to express their ideas. And that's absolutely something that a leader can help curate at the company. And this can look as small as in a meeting where someone looks like they want to say something, but they haven't yet. Um, explicitly calling that person out and saying like, hey, would you would you like to add something to this conversation? Um, this this looks at this looks like ensuring that everybody has the right venues to speak and feel empowered and comfortable to do that. And especially someone in a leadership position where you're often the person running these meetings or in a position that people look to to demonstrate the behavior and how to operate, leaders have a disproportionate opportunity to create that inclusive environment and enable those best ideas to surface. At the end of the day, people just think differently and come up and express their ideas differently. And maybe it's not such a great idea to say, hey, we're having this meeting to make, to come up with an idea to solve 
this problem. And we have to decide on what we're going to do by the end of the meeting, because maybe there's people in the room that do a really good job of just kind of brainstorming and saying things on the spot. And there's also people in the room that will do a really great job when they go home and keep thinking about it all day. And then something comes to them and they can come in the next day and say, Hey, I thought of this really great idea. It's better than what we said in the meeting. Let's do this. And I, I guess where, where I'm going, because I just talked to someone about this yesterday. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I just think you're totally right. Making room for all those different types of cognition to be able to bring their ideas forward is so important when you're in a highly competitive landscape and you have to be going with the best ideas that you can and getting the most out of your team. Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely right. I would also say that good management enables good culture. Mm. If you can structure your meetings in a way that you have clear agendas and a clear understanding of what you want to get out of them, if you can structure your projects such that you don't have to make urgent decisions in the, in the moment, you can create opportunities to bring more ideas forward and you can create opportunities, uh, lower stress opportunities to share and collaborate. Yes, yes, absolutely, man. Um, all right, so we are coming up on time. Before we wrap up, is there anything that you that we didn't get to touch on today that you want to make sure we get out to the world? Um, you, you mentioned it a couple of times you're fast growing, you're hiring. Any any plugs you want to make? Yeah, absolutely. We are growing our team very quickly. We have a lot of uh, job openings at vanta.com/jobs. In particular, I'm hiring engineers quickly. And if it's exciting, if Vanta's mission to secure the internet and protect consumer data is exciting to you, please reach out. We'd love to have you join us. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you would like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.